0: Welcome back to The Catch. My name is Michael Adams. I'm joined by my co-host, John Rahimi. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Is that your Batman voice? Yes. It's very okay. Oh. <laughs> and today, also with us is, drumroll John, David McCormick.
1: What's good, guys? Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, welcome, man. Glad to have you. How are you doing today? Glad to have you.
1: Oh, you know, so happy to be here. Um, John came over a little while ago,
2: and just excited to get started.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. This is the first time that we've, I have recorded in person with someone, so it's nice to be podcasting in person. And Michael's still over Zoom, but it's nice to have a nice personal touch here. It feels like Lady in the Tramp, though, where you're kind of right up against the microphone talking. It's a little, it's a little close quarters, but it's nice.
0: Do you guys have a bowl of spaghetti
2: there?
1: That new microphone I ordered um, still has not come yet.
2: That's a tragedy. No, not spaghetti, but we do have diet rum and Cokes, so we're keeping it real. We're keeping it healthy, though, because it's diet, and I'm watching my figure.
0: I thought diet was worse for you.
2: It might be, but we ran all out of regular Cokes.
0: You know, you know a Coke's a Coke. You're there.
2: That's actually not true. There's a great difference. I'm, if I offended anyone who likes Diet Coke, I don't care. It's not that good. Regular Coke, cherry Coke, vanilla Coke. Not orange Coke. Orange Coke's kind of gross. The orange vanilla,
0: not all. Raging day. hot take. But honestly, vanilla Coke, I hate soda with a passion, but vanilla Coke might be like the one soda that I can actually take a drink of and be like, oh man, this is some good stuff.
1: I just want to know who in the Coca-Cola marketing department was like, no vanilla Coke. Yeah, well, we should add orange to it. That seems like a really good thing to do around this time.
2: It's basically like vanilla Coke, but there's like a whisper of orange at the end. You're like, oh, I kind of, I sense orange. You know, like
0: the that, Wait, that's a thing? What are you talking about?
2: Orange vanilla? Yeah. You never saw the
0: billboards? Oh, you're from middle of nowhere. You don't see what billboards are ever. I forgot. Excuse you. I lived in Chicago for a summer. I know my billboards. No, yeah, it's the thing. They had like
2: commercials with, um, it was like a Western thing and the guys walked into the saloon and then out came uh, an orange vanilla Coke because the orange and the vanilla fought. And when you fight,
0: you create a new thing. Your, your sweats get intertwined and create soda. <laughs>
1: Now, John, as an advertising major, um, how would you rate that ad? Did it convince you to buy Orange Coke?
2: It actually did. I have to admit, I bought it. Um, I'm very easily swayed. Like, I was walking through the store the other day, um, and there was Mountain Dew on the shelf, and it was Liberty Brew in honor of the 4th of July, and that's pretty much all it took. I was like, oh, I don't need that, but I want it. So why not? I bought it.
0: Anything red, white, and blue, sign me up. I'm in. Yeah. i suffer for it like He's oblique a person you just know how to draw to me
2: <laughs> please ignore that dumb comment um not for michael for me <laughs> but yeah of i have zero self-control when it comes to the things and in most things i have zero self-control like i had a i had to block youtube on my computer because i got home the other day from my parents house at like eleven thirty at night and then i proceeded to watch like 25 uh videos about Video games, where they compared the video game before its release, like the trailer, and then the video game after its release, and seeing like what the difference in graphics was and stuff. I was sitting there for like two hours, zero self control. So I deleted YouTube off my computer, blocked it, or whatever. You know, I found my time now reading Lord of the Rings history, a fictional universe. I read its history. Much more productive. Productive.
0: I was like, yeah, is that like a really good improvement on your use of time?
2: It's so interesting. Okay, like I was reading, and mostly because there's a show coming out on Amazon like next year, I think, about Lord of the Rings, and it's about the second age of Lord of, of Middle-earth. So the second age, because you who don't know, it's about to be a raging nerd session. The second age, and this is all going to tie back, I promise. This is just random. But the second age is before the Lord of the Rings, like the movies, take place. So this is a while before that. It leads up right to like, the beginning of the movie start where they, they fight Sauron and they defeat him. But in the second age, Sauron's still there, but he is Anatar, who is the Lord of Gifts. And he presents himself as this, you know, shining and beautiful elf. And so he can kind of coerce the, the Numenorians, who are, uh, well, that's the race that Aragorn is descended from. But he presents himself in this really nice way that he kind of like gives them gifts and helps them to like find these new things and create rings of power. And then it so leads to the one ring. So he gives them riches. You know what else gives people riches? Satan. Segway. Whoa. That was smooth. Yeah, I think that's probably the smoothest segue that I've ever given. I planned it out for like a day and a half. I was like, I was so pumped when I read that. I was like, this is going to tie in perfectly. So today we're talking about, we're not talking about riches, but we're talking a little bit about riches. We're talking about dealing with other people. And so um, to start, uh, we're going to look at, David's story not this David is sitting next to me but King David from the Bible you know the guy you're named after I think yes I'm I'm well aware are you, are are you, you actually named that? after him
1: no I don't think so I think I am named after um my uncle who's named David oh. same spelling um and then my dad's friend Dave so not like exactly on the head I think they kind of just went somewhere in the
0: middle but like for what we're talking about we're just going to consider that you are right
1: Yes. Um, I'll just talk to my parents and just talk about him after and just make sure, but for right now, let's just say I'm named after.
0: Make sure they change their intentions. And from now on you are named after King David.
1: Sounds great. I want him to right after this.
2: <laughs> Good. So, uh, for those of you unfamiliar with King David's story, he's a pretty epic character. Um, we see him through first Samuel and second Samuel in the old Testament, but, uh, kind of the big thing that everyone knows about. David had a little affair, a little frisky with a certain young lady on a rooftop named Bathsheba, the Sheba of the Baths. So uh, yeah, the, the first line I want to read that kind of will segue us into the, into the topic comes from chapter 11 in Second Samuel. It says, at the turn of the year, the time when kings go to war, David sent out Joab along with his officers and all Israel. And they laid waste to the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. David himself remained in Jerusalem. So that's the first verse of the chapter. Anything strike you weird about what's going on there? David's stealing my Bible. Forgot to bring my own.
1: I
0: didn't bring mine either. The thing that strikes me, and I think I've talked about this before, is the fact that David stays. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Doesn't go with him. Stays home. Sits yeah, at this party
1: that kind of reminds me of like i don't know if you ever had like a boss who like sends you to do the dirty work when you're like they probably should be doing it themselves and you kind of feel betrayed at least like i have in the past and you're like no this is kind of your job but because you're in charge of me you can send me to go do that
2: yeah so right like yeah david's he's the king and he's just chilling in his bed at least that's how i picture it. i just imagine i'm kind of like in a nice silk robe kind of getting out at like 10 a.m being like oh you know like Guess my army's off at war. I'm kind of just chilling in my palace, not really worrying about this stuff. Um, but I think what's interesting is that if you if you read before this, um, you read about David's conquest, right? He's king. He comes he becomes king after Saul and he goes on like the war path in a good way. So he is humble before God. He trusts in God to win the battles for Israel. And he leads all these men, his officers through the land and conquers. So he's a pretty like well-known warrior and he's powerful. He's strong. He's a good leader. He's all these great virtuous qualities. Uh, but then we see this happen and what I'm kind of seeing here and picking up is that like David kind of gets complacent. Um, this is like what happens when we, uh, we think in this kind of mindset that I usually think in is that like, Oh, like I'll just eventually get to this point and I'll be good. And then like, I won't have to worry about anything else ever again. Um, so David gets this point of like I just like conquered and kick some butt, like I'm good, and I'll have like my virtues and my strength and my power forever. I can just chill a little bit um and kick back. And he does that. And then you know what happens later in this chapter is that he goes and steals someone's wife, sleeps with her, and then kills the husband. So it didn't go so well for him. Um his weakness is on display. And if you read Psalm 51, you can see his kind of it's traditionally the prayer that he he wrote as uh, as repentance for this great sin. That's um, the uh, the
0: the clean the wash me with hyssop or whatever it is, or cleanse me in hyssop. It's like that really long, like it's almost like a confession.
2: Yeah, right? it's a great prayer to pray before, um, before and after. Really, uh, you go to confession. Um, we pray it every day in the in the liturgy of the hours. Every Friday, every Friday morning, you pray that prayer. So it's yeah, it sticks with you.
0: I've been obsessed with the ever. Since I think last summer, uh, I don't know who turned me on to it, but I, I heard it somewhere and I started reading it. I had to go to confession that night when I heard it, and I was like, I'll try it. I read it and I was like, oh man, I can't go to confession without this now. Like, this is some powerful stuff,
2: yeah. The first time I ever used it was
0: uh, when my spiritual director gave it to me this year, he was like,
2: Pray this is your penance, and I prayed it after. Him. I was just like, it's like paragraph by program, I'm just weeping because it was so like, oh man, it just like it really moves you because you're just like putting yourself before God in this really vulnerable way, like recognizing your sin. Um, but I want to ask you guys, cause this is like fairly personal, I think <laughs> for me, cause I, I struggle with this all the time. But it's like, if you're a person who thinks that if I just get to this point, everything will be good. Like I'll be good to go. I won't need to like practice this anymore. I won't need to work for it. Um, you start to, at least in my experience, you start to do it to other people. You start looking at other people, especially your friends who you're close with. And you start to be like, why the heck aren't they doing the same thing? Like, why aren't they at that point yet? Why are they still struggling? Why aren't they there? If they would just do this one thing, they'd be there. Or like in relationship, you're like, if this person would just do this thing for me, everything would be perfect. We'd have a perfect friendship. It's like, ooh, so I don't know about you guys, but this has been my experience recently.
1: Um, yeah, I definitely agree. I think just like it can be really frustrating with other people and you kind of want to push your view of what the friendship should be onto them. Um, and then you kind of just oversimplify things too, being like, oh, well, if this person could just do this one thing, like why can't they see it? And you totally neglect like all the experiences that they've had, like from their point of view, Mm -hmm. everything that like, that they're going through. And you look at it from like a very, just like one, like one way lens. I think from that's really dangerous. And also you put yourself in a position that like, if something happens, that's not exactly the way that you want it, then you're going to become frustrated and then it Mm -hmm. can become like a vicious cycle.
0: Yeah. And John, I know something that you're like big on the kick of right now is this whole idea of like, there's another, like whether the other is Christ, whether it's God, like whatever the other is losing focus of that other is so dangerous. And I think of that in friendship, like when you lose focus of like who the other is and the fact that they are an individual soul an individual life, not like revolving around you, that's where it gets really dangerous. Um, And I really do think this is like one of the really big reasons and honestly one of the probably top three reasons that we as individuals lose our own peace and kind of become anxious and become worrisome is because of the actions of others or because of our preoccupation with others actions or with what they're saying or what they're doing in comparison, what we think they should be doing or saying.
2: Yeah. And I think the, uh, the little nifty trick the devil pulls on, on us is that he he recognizes how much we kind of crave this, or some of us, maybe other people don't struggle with this. Praise God, that's awesome. But those of you who do, if you're like us, then it's like uh, we crave to have this kind of control or like to to reach this perf- perfection um, in this life and understand everything and kind of have it all. Uh, but he plays on this being like, well, I'll just offer you this, these riches or this rich thing, you know, and I want to take that for myself. And once I have it, then I'll be good. Um, so kind of like with David, like he sees Bathsheba and he's like, I want that. He takes it. He takes a person and manipulates her. And then it leads to, you know, Uriah. And then once he's in this kind of position of like, I can just control people and use them for what I want, and they should be doing what I want them to do when I want them to do it. Um, Uriah doesn't do what he wants. David says like, hey, like, you know, go, go back home. Uh, to your wife and please go sleep with her so that you will think it's your child. And he doesn't do it. And then what does David do? He gets angry and bitter and upset with his, his friend and his good captain and then kills him. He's murdered. So this is like, this is what happens. I think when, if we let the devil kind of like trick us and use us in this way of saying like, Oh, if I just, if this person would just do this thing for me, or if I just had this thing from them or this other thing, everything would be good. And then when it's not happening, at least for me, I know I get angry really quickly with people, um, and there's a bitterness that comes up, and you have to kind of fight back. And Michael, I like what you said because it is about the other. Um, Cardinal Ratzinger, before he was Pope Benedict XVI, defines love in this way in one of his uh, one of his articles, and it is patiently. Uh, hang on, let me read it for word for word here. It is love is the capacity to wait in patience for what is not under one's own control to let oneself receive this as a gift. So it is about an other and it's about patiently waiting to receive that other as they are. So I think a lot of this like kind of angst or like turmoil comes up for us when we aren't patient with other people.
0: Like David wasn't patient. Yeah, exactly. And I think something that comes to my mind too is, I know you're saying like a lot of these things that we want, We just want them and we want them. And because we want them so badly, they're hurried or they're tense and we get discouraged and it affects us. But wanting things is not necessarily bad. It's the manner in which we want them. And Mm -hmm. I think like, I think what us three could probably relate to with friendship is, Oh, I really wanted someone to say that to me. That's okay. If you want them to say it to you, like, I really want conversion for that one friend. Like, why are they doing that? It's like, it's okay to want that, but how do you want that? That's the most important part. I think there's kind of two ways that we can distinguish. There's obviously the human way and then there's the divine way. Obviously the divine way is better. Like human ways that can be distinguished by it being hurried, it being tense. This idea that has to be right now or it's never. Um, And it also is followed with a lot of discouragement, worry and anxiety, or there's the divine way, which is peaceful. It's caring. It's gentle. It's not rushed. I don't know what you guys think, but I, That's something that just keeps coming up in my head when you keep talking about this idea of there being another and the idea of even with David, like having these wants, you know, we all have wants, not all of our wants are good, but it's a decision on what do we do about these wants?
1: Yeah, Michael, something that kind of strikes me um, is like when you're talking about the human way um, I've noticed like a lot of times with me personally, um, I think a lot of other people could probably relate to this. When you have those like frustrations with people um, a lot of times feel like the devil kind of dangles like small things that you, want that would like satisfy you temporarily and when you're kind of thinking of it like in the human way it's almost like you have blinders on like you're not looking at like the whole why or like where am I going so if it's something like with a friendship like if I am like really frustrated like why won't this friend do this or like you know like why isn't our relationship perfect or why is he or she like not doing this thing that I think would fix any problems or anything that we have um, I'm not really like thinking like why are we friends? Like what is this friendship built towards? Like what is like the meaning of friendship? We kind of have like that temporary lens. And when we have that, we just kind of took like, reference of podcast you guys had a few weeks ago. We want to like grasp. We want to get like the small things because we're not really sure where we're going. So if we have something tangible that happens, then we'll be like, okay, well, this is a good friendship or like I'm being a good friend. Um instead of being like even if it's like a good want, thinking like, well, like what is at the root of this? Like exactly like what is our friendship built on? And I think from then you kind of will then start inviting like the other, right. And then realizing that like everything is built on Christ. I think a lot of times the devil wants us to think in the short
2: term and just in things that we can tangibly like see and feel. Yeah. And he's, he's, he's using this kind of thing where I think a lot of us fall into the trap of thinking like, you know, if I do good, God rewards me with good. If I do bad, God punishes me. Um, Like, yeah that's a tough one because like the enemy can use good things to like make us get complacent like he can make us feel good about something where it's like there are tons of people our age who are doing drugs like sleeping around and like living not great lives to be quite frank but uh they probably don't feel that bad we always kind of be like oh the deep down they really are hurting it's like if you're not digging deep you're not going to experience that hurt or that like Longing or feeling something's off, you'll just kind of skim the surface and think everything's, everything's going good, like I feel good about this, and just like one bad thing to the next, then because it's like one rich after the other, one good, shiny item after the next. And this is the devil just being like, Yeah, I can give you good things and make you feel good about yourself, um, until it gets to that point we've talked about this before where it's like, Oh, that was too bad, like that was awful, you're a horrible person. It's like we have to be like, careful and conscious of like in relationship, like David, you were saying, like you know. What is of God here? What is not of God? And like, really discern that well, and communicate with the other person. Because if we're not open to the other person, like with patience and acceptance and understanding, you turn inward on yourself and thinking. And this comes from the attitude of like, I can do everything myself. I know everything. I'm the best. Doesn't sound like anyone here. Um, but if we do that, then we just shut ourselves in on ourselves. That was kind of redundant, but whatever. We shut our we we look inwards and we don't look at the other person. And you can't live a friendship if you're only looking at yourself the whole time.
0: I think all three of us have experienced that with each other, both like as a group with our, within our own group talks, but even like individually, I think on multiple occasions and maybe it's just, I'm not a great friend, but I've had many discussions with you, John, like very frank discussions about what each other's expectations were. Or like, Hey, like I know you didn't really probably have bad intentions, but like this hurt. Um, and just the fact of just saying that and allowing the other person to come in and be like, Oh, you know what? Like I, you're just missing, you're misinterpreting my actions or like, you know, what I really meant was this and letting yeah. them speak light. And even like David, you and I have had conversations before they're you know, not like intense or angry, but like they've been more serious. And it's like, Oh, once you hear the other person out, it's like, Oh, I'm no longer making this, these assumptions for them. I'm allowing them to actually speak into my life, what their truth is rather than me just being like, oh, they're doing this, this, and this because of this, this, and this. And that makes them this type of person.
1: Yeah, Michael, definitely. I know that like, we've had some of those conversations like me and you or John and I, know you have had them with each other. Um, whether it's just like, yeah, talking about things for friendship um, or it could be like fraternal correction. Uh, a lot of times I think the short-term temptation is to go into and be like, you know, I want to impose my will Like on you in this conversation. I want you to see things exactly how I see them. I want you to understand me. Um, And a lot of times, I know I'm super guilty of this is like, we never take that time to be like, to try to understand them. Um, And to go into that being like, okay, let's think about this like from their point of view. Um, And then just bring things to the open too. It's really easy to like let emotions play like way bigger of a role than they need to or become accusatory versus like, you know, let's just like, bring some things into the open. Let's have these conversations. Um, and I think it's also just a good rule, even if someone who like you might not even be super close with or like a casual acquaintance, but I think it starts like with being honest with yourself. Cause I've noticed times where I've like done this very poorly. It's cause I'm not honest with myself. And I go in expecting the conversation to be like one way. And when it starts to steer away from that, or like, it's like I start to lose control, then you want to regain it back. Um, and I think that just comes with like not understanding their position too. Um, and I think like, I also think back to the gospel passage um, with the servant, right? And um, like the king is forgiven the servant because he has like that great debt. Um, and then like, and then the servant does not do that to like his fellow servant. Um, so I think it's just, could be really helpful to think about like, how would I want someone to like bring these things to light to me, I guess. And you want to do it like in a charitable way.
2: Yeah, there was a, uh, a moment that I was doing my, my holy hour this afternoon. And in between my nodding off, some nice little insights and graces happened. Um, and the, it was, I was looking over the gospel from today, and that was, um, the, it was in Matthew's gospel, chapter 11. And it's uh, Jesus praying to the Father and saying, like, Lord, Father, thank you for, you know, revealing this to the Like You've hidden these things from the wise and the learned, but you've revealed them to the child and this moment of like i don't like do that i'm the wise learned person who's like i need to understand everything i need to figure everyone out i need i need to impose my will david as you said and um but i realized I was like well maybe i'm just doing this because i want like, oh, I'm just, like it's good intentions i want to fix people i want to help them grow and i realized i was like you know what it's not even that i don't want to, i don't even want to fix people because if you're like fixing a car that means you got to get underneath it you gotta get dirty you have to kind of like your wrench might slip off you might mess up Like there's there's a messiness to that and there's an involvement with the the other there's an encounter there um, might be albeit for the wrong reasons I will say um, if you're trying to fix someone and not like, really just be present to them and accept them and understand them but I was realizing that I just kind of like sit in the sidelines and just kind of diagnose things I'm really good at diagnosing everything but I never want to actually like try to touch it because Oh, I might, I might do that wrong. And that's not good. And I, whatever, all these kind of things. But yeah, the imposition of will is a real, a real danger um, that we all face, I think.
0: Yeah. um, There's something that just keeps coming to mind when you say that. Um, I read this a couple of weeks ago in a book uh, and it's kind of talking about patience with others faults. Um, And like you're saying, like imposing your own will and it kind of talked about, you know, we might have a will for someone, but like if they're doing all the things that we don't think is part of like their will, like we don't think that they should be doing it. Uh, kind of what he said was uh, almost like get over yourself. Like obviously the Lord hasn't like the Lord obviously has not transformed them yet for what for whatever the reason is living their life however it is, um, but obviously the Lord's able to put up with them right now. Um, And the Lord has an opportune moment to step in and create that conversion, create that change. And maybe that moment just isn't quite yet. Um, That doesn't mean like just complacency on our end where we just don't do anything. Um, but it's more of a matter of like doing it in the correct way, doing it gently, doing it peacefully and assisting, like almost like you're the mechanics assistant, you know, there's fixing a car. It's like Christ is the mechanic, but you're the one handing them the wrench. Um, And so it's just kind of trying to find a balance between all of that rather than you being like, hold on, Jesus, I got this. Well, let me show you how to change the oil on this guy.
2: You are the wrench. (laughs) Michael's wrench. No, it's true. Like we are the tools that Christ uses. Like Christ, I should say God, God communicates through human persons, right? He communicated himself through humanity in becoming man in Christ. So like he kind of does the same things here. Like he's not, it worked and he still uses us as his, earthen vessels, as Paul says, to communicate him to those around us. that we encounter. Um, and one of the things I think I've been, I've been reading this book, um, cause I'm in, I've been doing counseling, but the book kind of talks about, uh, the different roles that we have as we as persons or right, We image God. So we are imaging the Trinity because that's who God is. So the Trinity has the different roles of right. Giver and receiver. And so to, Right, patiently accept the other as Benedict said at the beginning of this means we have to be able to fill those roles as best we can and try to really like embody them. Being like, I am the giver right now. I'm getting myself to you. And then when it's no longer my turn to do that, I need to switch roles. Um, cause this is where the whole, like I impose my will like, I'm not going to let you give me yourself because I don't want it. Like you, I'm the only thing that's important here. Um, I know best, whatever the case might be. Um, so we, we have a, I think a lot of us have a hard time embodying the role of the receiver because we don't know how to listen. We don't know how to understand. We don't want to accept people as they are. We want them to be what we want them to be when we want them to be it. So we need to learn how to really like take seriously that we image God and recognize the roles that we have. And there's no good like system for doing this. Thing. I was thinking about this today, but we all want good like systems of like, okay, if I do X, Y, Z and plug it in, like I'll get the desired result. It doesn't work. It doesn't happen that way. Like it's a disposition of the heart, it's an attitude, which means it's really messy and it's really not uh perfect. Or if you're an engineer, this is like a nightmare for you. Um, or if you're just like a it is,
0: I can I can confirm.
2: Not me though. <laughs> David David's quit. doing great. <laughs> <laughs> um if you have OCD or if you're obsessive and compulsive, you get this is a really difficult thing. Um, but we need to be able to just like try over and over again. It's a constant conversion. I had a really good conversation with our friend Katie, um, the other night about this, like Like, eat fresh, eat fresh. That's right. Um, shout out to Katie, but, uh, I actually know if she listens to this or not, but it was, uh, she said a really simple thing, but it was just like emotional and, um, emotional maturity and emotional intimacy between friends is a lifelong thing. And it's like, duh. But for me, it just really stuck. It's like, yeah, it's true. Like it takes uh, a cultivation and that's work like if you're farming a field it's a lot of tilling and retilling and going over the soil and kind of this painstaking labor to get like one little thing to sprout um, and then a lot of like it has to rain so the grace of God has to be there as well but you have to kind of nurture the grounds so that is ready to receive it's like grace builds on nature so I think like just this attitude and disposition to receive God's grace into our hearts in that way this takes a life a lifetime and it takes a lifetime for the other person as well we can't just assume like you know, on September 13th of 2026, this person will be where I want them to be. And then from then on, everything will be great with them. Not going to happen.
1: Yeah, that kind of makes me think of a term that uh, Father Chase uses. It's a hygienically sealed future
2: um,
1: <laughs> that like everything's going to be perfect, like in the future. And I'll have this opportunity, whether it's like with a friend or something else. Um, and another thing that kind of came to mind is I've been thinking about like the last couple weeks also is like we, we all do not experience God the same way. Right. So if you are to have like a friendship with someone else, it's not going to be the same thing for each person. So you're kind of saying like, nah, like it's be an engineer's nightmare. Like you can't like plug and chug, like the same thing for someone else. Like it like might be better to like, okay, like I'm going to talk with you personally or like um, maybe like some people enjoy like going out and doing things. Some people just like to talk, Um, but trying to like, take that time like the more you know a person like and the better you can like communicate those things um but i think also in order to do that you kind of have to see outside of yourself and not like mm. what i want but like who is this person yeah. and until you see that i think a lot of times you're going to kind of miss the mark um, when dealing with other people
0: honestly i kind of think of the five love languages like <laughs> understanding people's love languages like they say to do that in relationships. I remember Tanner Gazda told me to do it when I first started dating Mary. He's like, do you know what her love languages are? I was like, no, I'm, I don't want to ask either. Um, I, was, I, was, I don't, don't know. know. <laughs> but like, even just like understanding the love languages of a friend is so important because we think like, oh, you need to know your love language of your spouse. It's like, yeah, you do, obviously. But like, how important is, is it for me to know like the two love languages of you two? Um, like I feel like I'm just now like learning what my like love languages are like I used to think it was one thing and I was like oh I hate words of affirmation and then, like the past two months I've been like I am like craving oh, Harvey, words of affirmation and so it's like understanding who you're talking to and knowing that like my love language is different than John's and John's is different than David's and David's ears is different than mine um, so yeah it's not like a cookie cutter where you could just copy paste copy paste to every single person you meet otherwise a lot of people are just going to hate you and say go away from me i don't like that
2: yeah and i think like if we if we assume that everyone's kind of the same as us or, like that they will respond the same way that we responded to something um of god in our life then we kind of do like what i do all the time which is like for encountering someone whether it's on a phone call or seeing them in person I kind of plan out like this is how this is going to go this is what I'm going to say it's going to be really it's going to be really great this is like this manipulation and this control thing but it's like every time I've ever done that it has gone so badly I cannot stress how badly it has gone and then afterwards they're just like oh that was horrible this person sucks like they're horrible I'm horrible and just all these thoughts kind of start rambling um but you have to allow people to just like be themselves and give you what they're going to give you. So you get this patient waiting and to receive it with love and be like, wow, like this is really great that they are the way that they are. Um, I just like, if there's sin and other stuff, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just like mean like pre- people's personalities and like their differences and being able to rejoice and not to compare and be like, why aren't they like me? Why am I not like them? Whatever. Like someone's always going to be better than you at something. And if we get in this comparison game, not gonna go well. Like it's gonna be horrible. Like Saul gets jealous of David because David's better at him than these things, and he's gonna be a better king. And then he ends up trying to kill him. So if we really let this go, like down the road, like that's where it leads. It leads to death. Maybe not like actual like we're gonna, I'm gonna murder Michael or David here, but like. But maybe our friendship will end. I, I have a bunch of knives in the car. Okay, so don't test me. I'm uh, glad I'm not with you two anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the government is now tuned in on this podcast. <laughs> They're always i one Persian dude. They're like, this guy's a terrorist. We see his name. Get him down.
1: Um, John, but that is kind of a good point. I've noticed something that like I tend to do to other people. I didn't notice until like someone brought it to my attention. Um, but like, have you ever noticed when you're talking, whether it's someone you just like just ran into, or if it's a friend, um, like their flaws or what you perceive to be their flaws, a lot of times you assign as like their identity. Mm. So like, if you're frustrated with someone, let's say like, I'm really frustrated with Michael. Because I think I don't know he's being hypothetically. Hypothetically, um, <laughs> this is probably I, very real. <laughs> just getting all the angst out on <laughs> air, um, but like let's say I think he's being like really selfish. A lot of times I will assign that as being like Michael is selfish, or like even if it's someone I haven't met, like if you see them in like a not flattering situation for them, you think like so and so is like this thing that they did, versus like if it happens to me it's like oh I mean like it was just an off day or like yeah I mean like things might have happened but like you like when I know my whole like story my whole perspective it's like well I'm not that even if I like might have done that but with other people we immediately like assign it to their character like right away and then that's when we get really frustrated and because of that like we're not trying to understand. So I'd be like, oh man, Michael is just like, he's a selfish person. But probably the many times I've been selfish with you, I can totally understand be like, oh, well, even if it wasn't the right thing, to be like, well, I'm not a selfish person. I just like, maybe I didn't get a lot of sleep or like Mm -hmm. I had like my own reasons, not to say it's right, but like I had my own reasons and then you'd be able to like understand more of where I'm coming from.
0: Yeah, well, first, I am a selfish person. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But honestly, I think that kind of sums up this entire topic, though, is compassion. Like, how do you deal with people compassionately? Like, like you said, David, like, oh, that person is selfish, or that person is a bad person for X, Y, Z action. It's like, if we're going to just judge everyone on that basis, we also need to judge ourselves on that basis. And if we're doing that, it's not going to be pretty. It needs to be that compassionate thing of like, okay, here's this action they did. Was it objectively bad? Yes. Are they an objectively bad person? No. They had a bad day. They had a bad month. They had a bad year, bad 20 years. But who they are now is not the same. Like, there's something different. And that's okay. I can love them through that.
2: Yeah. And just to close this out, I mean, compassion's right on. And this is like the suffering with that's what compassion means it doesn't mean um you know this fake kind of like i can i'll just put myself in your shoes you can't be in my shoes you just that's not possible um you can suffer with me and try to like bear it with me and walk with me and this is the whole thing of like uh the devil tries to get us up when we feel this way that this person is selfish i'm going to throw him out and our culture exacerbates this by like we are consumerists Everything is kind of fluid, we're in flux all the time. It's just kind of like, oh, I'll just get whatever's gonna bring me more happiness or whatever I like more, I'll get that. Um, so if this person is selfish, I'll get a new one. But we should be compassionate and that we suffer with them and bear it with them and help them through it. And this is what John Paul II talks about is tenderness we're tender towards the other with empathy so that it brings us into a deeper union. So what spouses need to do this is what friends need to do between each other is to be tender and compassionate towards one another for the sake of unity, not just for this kind of like, I'm a nice person, whatever dude, okay? This is about becoming deeper, deeper in communion with one another to more perfectly image the Trinity. Because you can't be more perfectly image the Trinity as a community of persons, not just as one person. So we need to be in communion. David wasn't in communion when he fell, he was alone, he was isolated. So bear each other's wrongs patiently, be compassionate and deal with people well. Calls podcast dealing with people we're dealing with friends. That's probably more accurate.
0: Heck yeah, brother.
2: Hey, brother. Ditto to everything you just said. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: uh, cool. Sweet. Well, that's a wrap for us. Thank you guys for joining us. Um, yeah. We'll be back next week with a sweet, hot topic led by David McCormick on hope. Um, but again, please pray for us. We'll be praying for you guys. If you have recommendations, questions, or just want to get to know how, like, get to know your fun podcast hosts. Feel Thanks. free to reach out to us at, <laughs> feel free to reach out to us at thecatchcc at gmail um, But yeah, we will uh, talk to you next week, y'all. Next week. Yes.